The following was recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic through Zoom meetings in accordance with local health guidelines. I'm Mike Maloney and welcome to the CSRM Tuesday Talk, a monthly roundtable discussion covering a range of relevant topics in ministry and current events. Let's join Dr. Greg Linville, Dan Stoffer, and Greg English as we hear from international experts in the fields of sports, recreation, and fitness ministry. Everybody, uh, thank you so much to the next uh, Tuesday talk here with CSRM. Uh, my name's Dan Stouffer. I'm the, the Director of Church Relations and also the Associate Executive Director. And uh, today we're excited about um, the topic from barriers to belonging as we talk about uh, having sports, rec, and fitness ministry for people of all abilities. Really excited about our panel. Uh, we'll introduce them here shortly. Uh, but I just want to encourage you, if you are not receiving our, um, our emails, our, our newsletters from CSRM, uh, would you in the chat feature leave us your email if you'd like to subscribe uh, to newsletters, information like this about Tuesday Talks and other things we have, resources to help you. Um, we would love to be able to connect that way. And also, if, uh, if you just want to uh, expand your network and share email addresses um, especially with those who, who will be presenting today uh, with others, go ahead in the chat and leave, that, uh, leave the email address and people can grab that there as well. So we're going to go ahead and um, I'll begin with a time of prayer uh, with this important topic. Uh, again, really thankful you've chosen to join us. Um, as we always do, we are recording this and then we will release this uh, next week if you missed anything. So uh, let's, let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this awesome opportunity we have, um, Lord, to discuss this very important topic of reaching all people and being intentional about that. And so, Father, I pray as our presenters share today uh, for wisdom and insight, uh, Lord, maybe some fresh ideas. And uh, Father, we are just so thankful for who you are, um, what you have done for us all through Jesus and how he is available for all people. And Father, we just pray you continue to help us and inspire us to use and leverage sports, recreation, and fitness ministries to reach um, all people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. At this point in time, uh, I am going to go ahead and uh, introduce or have our panelists kind of talk about themselves. Uh, and so the way I see it on my screen, uh, Vicki, we'll start with you. If you don't mind just kind of describing who you are. Uh, who you're working with, and why you're passionate about this topic. Hi, everyone. My name is Vicki Byler. I am the chair of the Health and Physical Education Department at Lancaster Bible College. And uh, one of the courses that I teach um, is the Adaptive Physical Education course. We have three programs in our department, Health and PE, Sport Management, and then um, Healthcare Management. And so I also had worked several years with Johnny and Friends, 
uh, the Eastern PA office. So many of you know Johnny Erickson Tata and her ministry. A phenomenal experience. Um, and my first connection with her was trying to get um, activities for my students to be involved with many years ago. And I walked over to the local office and made some connections with the staff there, which then led to me being um, 12 years of doing their family retreat, summer camp ministries, and uh, probably the most valuable experience that I could um, gather working with families affected by disabilities. So just phenomenal ministry that she has and just opportunities for me to learn um, as, as I was doing actually. Awesome, Vicki. Thank you so much for sharing that. And the next on my screen is uh, my good friend. Uh, I've known this man pretty much my entire life. So uh, Ryan Wolf, if you would just introduce yourself, who you're with, and why you're passionate about this topic. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Ryan Wolf. I'm the president and executive director at Ability Ministry. And uh, we are very similar as far as the organizational uh, setup as CSRM. We are a supporting organization uh, that exists to equip and empower the local church and other organizations uh, to reach their disability communities for Jesus. So uh, we do a lot of different things. One of the things that we're probably most well known for is creating curriculum and content for churches to use uh, in a special needs type classroom or a class or a group. Um, so we, we do a lot of the content development for churches. Uh, we also run residential ministry uh, for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities uh, in a couple of different states. Uh, we're currently uh, in Tennessee and Missouri. Uh, we have other staff members in Ohio and Kentucky, so we're a little bit spread out, um, but uh, an organization that's been around for well over 30 years uh, in the disability ministry field, so very proud of, of uh, what we're able to do to help churches uh, be equipped and empowered uh, to reach their communities for Jesus. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan, and if you've just uh, hopped on, this is the CSRM Tuesday Talk. And today we are discussing from barriers to belonging. If you haven't already, uh, please mute yourself uh, unless you're speaking. Uh, and uh, if you want to, in the chat feature, leave us your email address if you'd like to sign up for the CSRM newsletters. Uh, or just to expand your network, please feel free to leave uh, your email address in the chat feature. And then uh, Greg English. Uh, Greg, if you would uh, go ahead and share with us um, who you are, who you're with, and why you're passionate about this topic. My name is Greg English. I serve as the recreation minister at Cool Spring Church uh, just outside of Richmond, Virginia. Also had the privilege of serving CSRM as uh, board chair for uh, quite a few years uh, and just what a great opportunity. Had experience overseas uh, doing sports development work and, and church planning as well. Uh, I'm passionate about this topic because we've, um, we've been doing it at Cool Spring for about 10 years now. And what I love about it on a Friday night or a Saturday morning uh, I get to see the most uh, joyful sport experience provided by these athletes. Uh, it truly is an amazing thing to watch uh, just the joy flow from them as they, they play. We do soccer, we do basketball, we do cheerleading, just a variety of different things. But uh, so I was introduced to it about 10 years ago and just found it to be uh, just a great joy. Uh, and uh, so I've done some study on it. Uh, I taught on it as an adjunct professor uh, about it in some different conferences. So um, I, I just, I, I love it. I love watching them play. I love their families and seeing what's happening. And I'm even excited to say that uh, this week, um, 
we're doing a little mini series, even in the COVID environment, that uh, we'll have soccer outdoors here starting next week. So uh, that's that's me. Thanks, Greg. And uh, definitely exciting when we hear that uh, things are opening up a bit uh, for any of our programs and things we have to offer during this uh, crazy pandemic that, that we've been in. And last but not least, uh, you will not see uh, Annie Fox's video, and that's for security purposes because of what she does. But uh, Annie, if you, uh, as safely as you can, if, if you don't mind uh, kind of sharing a little bit about who you are and, and what you do and why you're passionate about this topic, that'd be great. Uh, hi, everyone. I am Annie Fox, and I am the U.S. Director for Uttermost Sports. And um, Uttermost Sports, just to give you a, an overview, is a sports business missions platform that we offer to sending organizations to help their long-term missionaries have a legitimate presence in the countries where God has called them, a legitimate identity, a sports company to work for. And one of the avenues in which we work as a business is in adaptive sport, working with both Special Olympics and the Paralympic committees of our various countries. Um, we work exclusively in restricted access contexts, which is why security is so important, um, because sport is welcome anywhere, but um, missionaries and religious teachers are not. Um, sport is our avenue and a sports business is our legitimacy. And so, uh, I personally have um, a disability with my arms and I grew up um, playing sports, um, never great at it, but I grew up playing sports and now being a part of a um, sports business um, missions enterprise, seeing the way that adaptive sport and making that accessible to people, um, especially in parts of the world where having a disability is a shame on the family. Um, being able to use that avenue to bring them out of the woodwork and share the gospel through our experience, um, it's, it's life-changing in so many parts of the world. And I'm just really excited to be with you all and share a little bit more about what we do. Awesome. Annie, your, uh, your perspective is uh, just invaluable here. And uh, thank you so much for, for what you do. And for all of you who are joining us here today, thank you for what you do. Um, I'm going to go ahead and... Um, what we typically do, this is your first Tuesday talk, uh, Greg and I, Dr. Lindell and I will ask a few questions, uh, but feel free to feed us in the chat feature some questions that you would like us to ask. Um, we're trying to make this as organic as possible, uh, like we're in a coffee shop somewhere. This is like a virtual coffee shop. I have my coffee, um, which will help, but uh, we'd just love to have a conversation here. And I think for, for the panelists here, um, I would love to kind of hear, because I think a lot of us understand maybe why we should have this in our churches with, within our ministry, but um, help us understand kind of what language we should use. You know, I've already used the, the term disability. Um, we've, in our, in our title for today, we talked about barriers. Um, but I think if, if anything, if we're to start a conversation maybe with our leadership, with our volunteers, with our coaches, um, what language should we use in order to reach this community that so many churches are not reaching? Vicki, we'll start with you, and I would love to kind of hear your thoughts on that. You're on mute, Vicki, sorry. <laughs> I think the most important thing um, is people first language. So seeing the person for who they are, not seeing their disability first. Um, so when we refer to a person, we're referring to them by their name, just like um, 
you know, anybody else would. And um, unless that disability has a part of the conversation, maybe not even mentioning that disability. And so if we introduce someone, we're introducing them as Greg or Dan or Ryan, not Ryan who has, you know, in a wheelchair or Ryan who has a disability. So I think those things are really important. People first um, when we speak. Great thoughts. Ryan, anything um, on your end, any experience that you can share with us when it comes to language? Yeah, language is a tricky thing um, because there's so many different opinions about what is PC and what is not PC. Even within the disability community, you'll run into people that will be offended uh, by the term special needs. And then you'll have people that will prefer the term special needs. Um, some people uh, will prefer to be, as Vicki said, you know, person first language saying, you know, Johnny's on the autism spectrum, while others would prefer to be called autistic. So it's, it's a little bit of a tricky game because there is such varying opinions about what is PC. Uh, what I always try to encourage people to do, I agree with Vicki, person first is always the best policy. Um, when you're talking to people uh, is if they know your heart um, they'll be willing to forgive you when you make mistakes. Uh, I think that's one of the things that people, uh, that stops people from reaching out. This is one of those barriers. People are afraid to offend. Uh, and that's what stops people from reaching out at all or even having a conversation. So um, I think if people know your genuine heart uh, that you care, uh, they'll be willing to forgive if, if you kind of, you know, step in it when you're, you're talking to somebody. So, um, you know, just approach people with kindness, uh, use person first language as, as kind of the go to uh, and then just ask people uh, what they prefer and, you know, find out what they're preference is and then try to communicate in that way so uh, it's tricky um, but approach it with the right heart and you'll be fine Ryan I love your spirit with that and I think that that spirit is probably the most important thing Annie you used a term to describe yourself in your introduction and I was wondering if you could repeat that and, and help us along this topic as well um I'm not exactly sure which exact words that I used, but I think I referred to myself as living with a disability or having a disability. Um, and I think that that goes along with the person first. I totally agree with that. And I do think that every individual sort of defines themselves in their own way with their own language. And so finding out how they refer to themselves or how they would like to be referred to. Um, I, I know in, in certain circles, um, even just not, not just the person first aspect, but a person living with this, not a person with this as if they're afflicted or they're struggling, but they are living with it as part of their life. Um, it does not necessarily define who they are, but it might define how they, how they live their life. So often, personally, I will say persons living with disabilities um, or living with a disability rather than they have one. Um, again, that's just totally minor, and I totally agree that the that the heart behind how you approach a person or a family. Um, personally, when I um, was growing up, I would much prefer people to just ask me what happened or ask me about my situation. My arms are shorter than average, and I only have one elbow, and I only have three fingers on each hand. And so, um, kind of like a T-Rex, if you can picture that. Um, and so I would just much prefer rather than the awkward um, whispers and the staring, just ask. I would really 
much rather to be able to tell you who I am rather than you assume who I am. And so I definitely appreciate the people that are willing to just approach with humble confidence and just ask me about myself um, with that open heart. And then I can tell you my story and I can, I can give you my, my own definition of how I want to be seen and how I want to be referred to. Um, so I totally agree with both Vicki and Ryan about that approach. And, and Annie, that wasn't it. You, you described yourself as some sort of an athlete. And I, and I have not heard the term before. And I can't remember what it is, uh, what, what you said either. But I thought it was very, uh, was very helpful. So if you think about it, if anybody else remembers, we can just join in this conversation. But I appreciate your, your words there. What sports do you play? Well, currently, nothing. <laughs> but growing up, um, I was on the basketball team. Um, I was on the bench a lot, I'll be honest. Um, but I had a lot of hustle. So um, yeah, not a great shooter with short arms and only three fingers shooting was not my specialty. But um, defense was definitely my my forte there. I played um, beach volleyball growing up as well. Um, having one straight arm makes for a really mean serve. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, I, I, I grew up being very active. Um, my dad was an athlete, and so he would take us out to play whatever. I love hitting softballs, love hitting baseballs just for fun. Um, I actually was on the softball team as well, come to think of it. Um, I can do underhand slow pitch pretty well because I don't have an elbow, so my aim's pretty great. Um, so, yeah, just um, – Accommodations sometimes needed to be made uh, for me, but um, I just enjoyed the opportunity to play. I think as we're talking about this language, we, at least in America, have had some obvious trauma recently around racial issues. And it is, it's even hard to talk uh, interracially inter about things about what do you want to be called or described? How, how can we refer to you? And uh, I mean, it goes all around every different ethnic group and we're trying to be very sensitive to that. And I think this is just another area like that. And, and so I appreciate the spirit of everybody so far in, in the sense that you're trying to say, have an open mind and just be vulnerable ask questions and be ready to give an apology if, if you've offended somebody because we probably are going to offend somebody any panelists want to jump in on that i was going to also add i think um sorry Greg, i think sometimes uh, we also need to make sure we're referring to that person as opposed to their parent or someone who's helping them and so uh, for whatever reason, we tend to look at someone else, not the person that has the disability, and ask a question, um, assuming that they're not able to answer for themselves. So I think it's also just that respect. If you're talking to someone, talk to that person. If they're not able to respond, someone else then will you know, also assist there. But again, erring on talking to that person rather than about that person or to someone else about that person. I would, I would add to that uh, from a practitioner standpoint of view in terms of offering multiple leagues. Uh, so while it's referred to as our, our Compass Sports Challenger uh, division, uh, 
uh, and most people uh, use the term, you know, special need per se. We really drove home the idea of, of helping our people know you, you, they're athletes. That's who they are. They're playing the game. They're running. They're moving. They're functioning. So really helping our people understand that they're athletes. And uh, as we incorporated uh, volunteers and buddy systems, and whether that was high school people or outside community folks, that they knew that they were working with an athlete. Uh, and so from a league perspective, we refer to them as athletes. The other challenge early on would be, okay, you run a Saturday basketball league um, that would, we would say a traditional model. And then you had a, a Friday night special needs model. That's not how we referred to it. We referred to it as uh, we have a Friday night league that plays between this time and this time and our Saturday leagues that play between this time and this time as the conversation goes deeper and people ask and you're marking it, then you can explain, you know, the athletes who are playing in that. So as a practitioner, even the language of how you not only just connect to the family when they come, because I really agree with the person first thing, you, you know, when the buddies first meet the people that they're going to be working with, you know, they don't know what to say or how to act or what to call them or what to do. And those conversations are key, but from a practitioner standpoint of view, as you're marketing, promoting, uh, inviting community in using terms like they are athletes and we have a Friday night, we had a Saturday league, we have this kind of thing. So you have to think about those things as well. I would like to add one more thing. Um, a lot of kids and youth, um, they don't necessarily remember that they have a disability or that they have maybe a, a mobility disadvantage or they're just living their life and they don't necessarily in when they're at their most free or they're at their most comfortable they don't really think of themselves that way they just think of themselves as themselves and so um so in from that perspective they are just a normal kid they just want an opportunity to play they want to run around they want to be with their friends um especially if they are more mobile and so from that perspective they aren't any different from most children. They just have certain challenges or certain adaptations that need to be made for them to participate with everybody else. And so the idea of, of those sort of ad adaptations, accommodations, um, they don't, yeah, they don't really think of themselves as, as having something or as being something. Now, some of the maybe more cases that really impact their life and it really does define who they are. I think that might be different, but for, for kids who grew up like I did with um, much more mobility and much more, um, much more freedom and just minor struggles and minor things that needed to be adapted. Um, we when people even say like, do you have, like, do you consider yourself a person with a disability? I actually have to think about that because I don't think of myself that way right off the bat. And so that may be the case for some of the athletes that you're also trying to get involved in your programs that they may not even consider themselves in the special needs category or in the um, disability sport category themselves, partly because they've never had an opportunity that is specifically tailored for them. So they've never thought of themselves that way, but also because they just think of themselves as a regular kid who just wants to participate. I think that's great. Uh, I just want to throw one more thing as we talk about language and kind of best practice and interactions uh, with people. And these are things that, that we use when we're doing whether awareness or education training with kids. And they're just short phrases. Um, but I think that they're really good because they make sense. Okay, so I'm going to share with you two short phrases. Um, one is smile, don't stare. 
um, that's the first phrase I want you want you to, to learn. And we use these with with our kids when they were growing up too, as we interacted and worked a lot in the in the disability field. Just said, "Smile, don't stare." Um, you know, it, it's a natural reaction, especially for kids to smile or to stare uh, when they see something that looks to them uh, something that would be. Uh, unusual or something they haven't encountered much. Unusual is probably not the right word. Um, but uh, so just a, a good phrase, smile, don't stare. Uh, the second phrase I want to share with you guys is this, start with hello. Um, so many people, uh, again, out of fear, don't interact because they don't know how. Um, but I, again, I think one thing that we're hearing over and over as a common theme is that we're all more alike than different, right? Uh, we, we all want to be treated as, as equals and uh, as friends. So the easiest thing to do is just start with hello and just allow the conversation to go from there uh, as you treat each other as, as equal humans um, uh, because we truly are more alike than different. We tend to focus too much on this, you know, the very few differences that we have instead of seeing each other as, as more alike than different. So just a couple phrases uh, that I think are helpful and easy to remember. Fantastic hints there. And uh, Dr. Linville is putting some of those notes there in the chat. Uh, if you don't have anything to write with, it's there for you. Uh, great perspective. Um, you know, as we know, language is everything. And Greg English mentioned a couple of things just about marketing. And we all know how difficult that is anyway and when you start something new, especially hopefully from our talk here, whether you're watching live on Zoom right now or later uh, through some of our CSRM resources, um, uh, maybe you're watching this and you're getting inspired and you wanna know, okay, how, how can I begin? Well, the proper language and the proper attitude, I think is uh, something that we can start with. Um, I love to kind of transition into um, kind of the, the how-tos. Um, and I'm gonna open this up here to the panelists in just a second, but uh, panelists, if, if you could think about churches of all sizes, um, so think about large churches, think about small churches, think about churches without any resources, but they're passionate about this and hoping to start something when it comes to sport, recreation and fitness ministry. And then uh, Annie, I think even uh, some sort of international perspective, just based upon what you've seen uh, for anybody who maybe is watching this, or we'll watch it. And um, I think this is a, a great opportunity for us just to kind of think through how can the local church uh, break down these barriers so that all people feel like they can belong through a sport, rec, and fitness ministry. So let's talk about how to break down those barriers. Uh, Greg, we'll start, Greg Inglis, we'll start with, with you this time. Um, tell us what, what you've done at, uh, at Cool Springs and how that can help people. Uh, so as I was on the job for uh, two days and uh, I had a guy call me and say, hey, I want to take you to lunch. And we all know what that means. Uh, so I go to lunch and he says, you know, I just got a real passion. Uh, cool Spring had a um, it's called Bridge Builder program on Sunday morning. So it was specifically geared towards families coming to Cool Spring for uh, those children to participate in um, a a Bible study format, you know, children's ministry, youth ministry, or whatever. So Cool Spring already had that development process for a Sunday morning for families to come and participate with. And he said, you know, I just been thinking about it. we've had rec ministry here for several years now. And 
I think a natural flow to that would be, can we incorporate and do a basketball league, um, you know, for, for those, those kids. And I said, well, I said, I think it'd be great. I said, can you give me about nine months? I just gotta, I gotta see where it's at and what's going on. But we actually spent the next several months doing research and study to, um, you know, equip ourselves with the same kind of thing we're talking about here. What's the language? What does that look like? for the educational resources, things like that. And so we started uh, with basketball as our first uh, league on Friday nights. And so part of that was understanding um, why and what was the mission? What was the purpose behind why we're offering this? What did we believe about this? How did it uh, impact families? How did it uh, impact our, our local church as well as we uh, connected to it? So it was developing that mission statement and that, that purpose uh, for offering. It. I knew we had a strong leader who wanted to, to do it. Uh, so that was a plus, you know, uh, that always helps when you have somebody there that's passionate about it and wants to step into it. So we developed uh, just a leadership team for that. On that leadership team, uh, we had two or three people uh, within our church that um, did have a background in special education or were occupational therapists. So we used them as resources and guides. How do we develop that? Whether you're at a big church or a small church, uh, there are people out there that you can contact to get that data and that information. They don't have to necessarily be in your church. So we began to do that and research that kind of information out. We looked at how the game would be played, depending on, like for us with basketball, you can't blow the horn or the buzzer. There's you know auditory issues there. So how are we gonna do that? So we had to go uh, and look at the different rules side. Uh, we, we talked about bringing the buddies in and so every player would have a buddy. What were, were the requirements for that? Uh, what training had to be required? So within our system, we, everybody had to go through a uh, training process uh, that they would understand the various uh, needs or disabilities that were out there because we would have a variety playing in the league. And so we wanted to equip them with that, that they would understand and know what those were. And then when you were assigned your player, there was a buddy intake card that you got specific information about the player that you were working with. You would know their favorite color. You would know their hobby. You would know what food they like. You would know whatever. And that began that conversation that Ryan talked about, you know, hello, uh, I know who you are. And so we tried to connect that. So developing the buddy system was very specific in how well we equipped them. Nobody could get on the floor if you didn't go through that training process to be fully equipped. Um, and then we had, um, uh, let's see, that's the buddy system. In terms of how players got in the need and connecting to the league and connecting to families, we did do an intake card. Uh, so we wanted to know that data about each child so that we could best minister that child. And that led to ministering to the family. So as we learned more about that child, we knew the joys that the family had or the struggles that the families had that we could minister better into it. And as the families came and watched the game, we had a we had like a spirit team focus. So we had people who were in the facility that were geared that guaranteed that when those parents came in, they were there to watch their athlete. They weren't responsible if the if the kid had had a hard day and was not responding positive to that night. They weren't responsible for the behavior pattern. They weren't responsible for the water. They, we had a team in place that guaranteed that those parents watched their athlete played and they got to to scream and cheer and shout and hold up posters and things like that. So uh, we kind of, you know, went in specific areas of different teams to make those things happen. I can go more into those details, but that's a highlight 
of that, how that happened. When we finished the basketball season, we said, you know what, we can go with soccer and we can kind of do the same format in that process. Um, and so that's kind of uh, how that played out. We also do recreational nights. So we'll choose one night a month where we'll do a date night. So those families can go out and have dates. We'll take uh, those kids in and we'll play games with them for two hours, specific things. So like, it's not a full camp experience, but it's many nights that we strategically say, we're gonna, we're gonna do this so that you can have time with your spouse. We, we understand, we know that uh, there's a lot of pressure on these families. And so what can we do to minister to them to help release that, to speak into that, create opportunity uh, for them to be uh, refreshed and enjoy relationship uh, as family. So there's some of that components too. So that's kind of an overshell of that. Vicki and uh, Ryan and Annie respond to what you just heard from Greg. What, what do you like about what he had to say? What's, what's positive there? I really liked the fact that you connected the piece that it's not just the person with the disability that we're ministering to, it's an entire family. And what some of those families go through as you uh, you get to know them and you get to, to hear their life story um, is you know, so different than you know, some other families. And so um, ministering to that whole family with our ultimate goal for them to become believers, I think we work backwards to um, before they can believe they have to belong. And so we have to be welcoming and, and have a place where they can belong, whether their behaviors are not you know, typical uh, whatever that may be. And sometimes these families don't even have time to explore where they might belong because they're so busy going to therapy or other appointments, different things like that. Um, some families don't even know that you know, our church exists or a community recreation program exists. Um, and I think that's where the church really can meet this um, need because we can provide those experiences which bring them into the church to help them belong. And then when they belong and we take care of those needs, we can really then get to the part of helping them get to that next step of believing and then becoming. And so it fits well with Greg's five Bs of, uh, of ministry now that we talk about with support ministry. I love that it's also um, a league structure. Um, I love that that means that they get to play um, sports with rules and learn how to be a part of a team and have each week practices and games to look forward to that kind of structure um and if you're listening and thinking well our church could never never pull that off just a league is way too overwhelming you can even just scale that back to the type of activity that greg mentioned and just offer um kind of like a a sports day or a field day that's just once a quarter it doesn't have to be every single week if that's not something that your church can pull off, um, it can be as, as, as simple as just opening up the gym for free play and having buddies there to run balls, to give high fives. It doesn't have to be um, extremely structured, although that is definitely a goal I think that, that most churches should strive towards. But if you're not there yet, start with a field day, start with a sports roll out the balls in the gym and just let the kids play. Um, sometimes this sort of sport activities are part of their occupational therapy or a part of their other therapies. And so they'll see some of the, the, the repetitive movement of kicking or shooting um, as just another therapy. But if they're allowed to just play, 
then in their minds, they're free. And it's not just another, um, they're part of their therapy. Um, and they get to play with each other. And maybe they're not around other kids that would understand what their life is like. And same with the parents, if they're able to come. Maybe they just need to drop the kid off like date night and just drop their kid off and be free and have time to run errands. But maybe they want to stay and interact with the other parents. Um, that kind of flexibility, um, if you're not able to provide the really cool structure with, um, with your um, volunteers and your training and your facility, um, then just start with an open, open field day or open gym day and have you know, loving volunteers ready to chase balls, ready to give high fives, ready to run and get water um, and just let the kids play together by themselves. Um, whatever it is makes them feel the most comfortable and loved and, and free in that moment to interact together and just play with themselves, play with each other. All right. Uh, I'm getting ready to say something and I need our experts to coach me. Um, how do I refer to somebody that I would call uh, with having Down syndrome? What's the PC way or what's the, how should I address that? I'm not getting anything. <laughs> I thought Ryan was coming on for a second. I, I, I was. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess I was I was a little, uh, a little surprised by Greg's question because it would, might be like me saying to Greg, "Hey, white beard, right?" I, I wouldn't do that, you know. I, just like I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't uh, walk up to somebody and say, "Hey, Down syndrome kid," right? Because you know it goes back to the to the uh, the person first idea like you know the child say the child's name is, is Johnny you say hey Johnny uh, how are you and uh, you know it's it's not uh, you know it's, it's not something that I, I can say white beard because you, as you see mine growing <laughs> up it's all it's all white too um, but, uh, but yeah as you, as you think about you know approaching somebody you know if they have Down syndrome uh, it's not it's not oh gosh there's Down syndrome kid we better be careful when we bring him into the sports league if we're thinking about doing inclusion no it's it's johnny and uh you know what what can we do um you know how can we help johnny uh be best included in this sports league how can we help johnny's teammates also include johnny um in in this sports league? if if i'm understanding your question correctly greg yeah and i'm i'm kind of role modeling some things here so we can try to figure out how to do this but now let me tell you uh, something, and then you can critique, any of you can critique me. Uh, I, was, I was with someone uh, in Wales, and they, they had a very wonderful sports hall, and uh, Rachel being from the UK, you might understand this better than some of our American folks, but uh, it was a sports hall, and they had a particular night that was designated for the kind of uh, ministry that we're talking about right here. And there was one particular man, probably mid thirties, and he was the, the goalkeeper for the soccer or Rachel, you would call it football. And they, every single shot that came to that goal, he stopped. He absolutely was, uh, 
an incredible goalkeeper. Nothing got past him. And then as soon as he stopped it, he would turn around and kick the ball in because he didn't want to hurt the feelings of the other team that he was playing with. Uh, but now he was a Down syndrome adult. How, how can I tell that story or how do I refer to that man and help people understand? Critique me in any way, folks. Have at it. Well, when you initially asked the question, Greg, uh, for any special needs child we had in our program, we simply called them by their first name. We didn't attach any label. And um, within the league, because we didn't have a, an inordinate number of them, we tried to integrate them into the existing program rather than have a special program for them. And so it didn't take long before the other players and the other coaches knew that this was a, a special needs child. And with compassion, they treated him or her that way. I think there are times when we are trying to educate others and how to best meet those needs that we do need to refer to the person's disability. And so um, I would, uh, if a parent is there and it's a child, ask the parent, how can, you know, to partner with you, how can we together communicate to his buddy or his teammate about the disability so there's, there's not fear, there's not apprehension. Um, parents, what I found in my experience is that parents are more than willing to come and to talk with that child. Um, here is what Down syndrome is. Um, I'm not going to catch it. You're not going to be careful. You don't have to protect me. Um, often ask them how they want to be referred. Some prefer intellectual disability. Others would prefer Down syndrome. Um, and so I just have felt as much as we can include that family in that conversation and particularly that person, even if they're a child, um, it, it goes a long way with helping them have that self-esteem, but also you know, educating the other children around them or the adults that are going to be working with them. So we can just be more inclusive. I would say Ryan Wolf. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask Ryan Wolf because uh, Ryan, tell us the name of your ministry again for those who joined us late and why you chose that name because I think that may help with Greg's question. Yeah, our our uh, ministry name is Ability Ministry. Uh, if you see our logo, it's kind of on my shirt here. It actually spells out disability, but we have the three letters uh, DIS crossed out, and that's intentional. Um, because we want, we want people to focus on the ability, uh, not the disability. So our, our name uh, being Ability Ministry, um, you know, focusing on, you know, how God's created us because God's gifted all of us uh, in, in a way that only we can accomplish certain things in God's kingdom. Uh, so we want to focus on those gifts and those positives uh, rather than what the world might define uh, as a negative, uh, we don't necessarily, you know, define disability as a negative, but there is negative narratives that exist uh, around disability. Um, so our focus isn't on what the world would tell you is a negative, uh, because we don't believe it's a negative, uh, but we want to focus on the positive, the ability, the special gift uh, 
um, that God has given each and every one of us um, that only we can use in, in the way that God has uh, created us to accomplish his purposes uh, for the kingdom. So that's kind of a little, little reasoning behind uh, the name of our ministry and how we display that um, with, with our logo. And uh, Annie, I want to hear what you were going to say and also uh, pick up on my question of how do I tell the story and communicate about that particular person in a non-offensive way? That's what I was um, going to ask. Was that, was that more of your direct question was how do I refer to this person not in front of them or in front of their family, but in telling the story? And at first you said um, Down syndrome man. So flip that say man living with down syndrome so never start like we talked about person first so just always flip what you're going to say and it's their name or their gender or you know who they are and then what they're living with um, that's kind of the basic rule of thumb just flip down syndrome man to a man that's living with down syndrome if you're going to describe who they are to an audience where that is a part of the story if it's irrelevant to the story then i would say it's not necessary. But if it is part of the story that you're telling, then start with their name, start with man, start with person, start with woman, start with child, and then describe what they're living with because it's not who they are. Really excellent, excellent, go ahead. Oftentimes we, um, we, we love to tell the dramatic, right? So we wanna, we wanna take this experience and create the dramatic to, to, to hook it in or draw it in and I think as a speaker, I think as a storyteller, as a motivator, as a communicator, uh, we have to be mindful. We have to be aware of how we're telling that story and the purpose of why we're telling it. Um, and so I, I totally agree with what, what Annie's saying, but I, I have to, as a practitioner, I have to challenge myself when I, when I communicate this on a large scale to people, why am I communicating it and what avenue about it is important or not important in it that promotes the ability that Ryan's talking about versus the idea that we run a program uh, for individuals who have disabilities. That's two different ways of communicating. Uh, and so you have to dig deeper inside that. And it's awareness. You have to be mindful of that as a communicator. This is all very helpful and I hope it is to everybody else. And we've got a couple questions coming in that I think Dan's gonna bring out for us in a minute. But Ryan, I wanna to turn to you for just a quick moment. And you have seen when a particular congregation turns their heart towards this kind of ministry about how it, in many ways, changes the DNA of the entire church. And give us a little bit of a, of a, a vision for if we really want to embrace this kind of ministry and outreach, what it can do for our individual churches. Yeah, I think uh, we saw it at First Christian Church in Canton, Ohio. That's where I currently attend. That's where I was a pastor uh, for 15 years uh, doing local church ministry. I started there as a children's pastor, became the full-time disability ministry pastor uh, for about eight years, my last eight years there, and uh, really saw how um, the inclusion of our disability community uh, changed the heart of our entire church. I believe that. Um, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that we were willing, and I say we, it was just a handful uh, of, of volunteers, we were willing uh, to go out into our community uh, and simply volunteer 
in either Special Olympics or in our Challenger Baseball Leagues. Uh, as, as people, we truly felt like we were taking, you know, the Great Commission, go into all nations uh, and make disciples. We decided that for us and our outreach for uh, Sports Rec Fitness, it wasn't about building a program at our church. It was about going out into our community, into ex leagues that were already existing, uh, and simply to seek to be a blessing. Uh, relationships that established over a period of 10 years uh, did come back to our church. As we went out, we built relationships. Um, we continued to ask a certain question. We continued to ask the question, how can we be a blessing, no strings attached, to different leaders in Special Olympics, Challenger Baseball, and other already existing leagues in our community? Uh, and then the more and more we asked that question, the more and more we were present coaching and just volunteering, uh, the more and more people came back from the leadership of those leagues and said, you know what, the church could do this. You know, one of the things that they always said was, we need a place to have our banquets, you know, our season end banquets. So we said, you know what, we'll do that for you. And we're going to do it rent free. Uh, so again, deepen that relationship. The more we ask that question, how can we be a blessing? No strings attached. Leadership from the leagues came back and said, you know what, there's a shortage of fields to play on. We would love to have a field to play on on our campus, we didn't have a field. Uh, so we just made the simple commitment, you know what, we're gonna build a field and we're going to dedicate it to you. And that was being Challenger Baseball and Special Olympics. Uh, so we raised the money for that. Um, we raised $50,000 to build a baseball field in less than 12 months. Uh, and again, it came from just having conversations with people. Um, and then from that point on, you know, we have over 200 uh, athletes um, on our campus with all of their families every night of the week for six months out of the year. And I say six months out of the year because we're in Canton, Ohio. You know, we have winter for like the other six months. Um, so, uh, so we have all these people coming on our campus and we're building relationships. And, and the more people that we reach out to bless, uh, the more people start trickling into our church. And again, this is a long-term thing. This isn't something that you put in a microwave and you have done in the next six months so you can put it on your strategic plan and check it off. You know, this is a long-term commitment. And uh, as we started seeing these families that were on our fields that, you know, we were making relationships with as we were going out and coaching in these leagues, started trickling into the church, started getting baptized, started joining groups. Uh, and people got to know people uh, on different levels that they would have never crossed paths with uh, and truly changed the heart of our church. Our disability ministry exploded uh, as we started doing those things, offering proms and different things on top of that respite nights for these families from these sports leagues. So I could go into a lot of that. I know we don't have time for that, but hopefully that gives you a kind of a, a, a picture of what can happen uh, even if you as a church it'd be a small church mid-sized church or even a big church feel like we could never do this we don't have the facility for it you don't have to have a facility all you need is people and a passion and uh, because there are already existing sports leagues uh, for Special Olympics Paralympics um, Challenger Baseball Miracle Leagues these leagues already exist in your community uh, what they need is you to be present, to cheer, to coach, to support. You don't have to have a facility on your campus to do sports rec and fitness ministry. And I think that uh, you're giving an evidence of what I've seen wherever it's been. I'm going back to, uh, again, Jimmy, the goalkeeper there in Wales. Uh, I talked to his family at the end of that evening, and 
they were not church people at all, but they were starting to come to that church because that church cared about their Jimmy. And I, I, to the two, and, and then it attracted the, the national government and the government over a couple of years gave one and a half million pounds, that's their British sterling uh, uh, money, uh, to that particular church to, because of what they were doing and serving the needs of that community. And so I think that there's a lot of positives that can come our way if we go that direction. And I will just put a quick plug in for two things. Obviously, Ryan's got the ministry that you want to connect for more details. We're partnering with him with CSRM, and uh, we have all we've got a uh, archive already some some of these podcasts with him, and he would want to go get grab those archives. And then also, many of the panelists, uh, if not all of them, are going to be collaborating on the first of what we think might be a couple of books on this particular topic, and we're we're really looking forward to that. And and Dr. Byler is is uh, heading that up for us as, as our uh, editor for that book. So be aware that this is coming out there. Dan, there's some questions from our gallery here, right? Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, uh, pick those up. And just to encourage everybody, just to kind of recap the things that we've talked about uh, so far, uh, you know, we've heard a lot about how to's, especially with partnering. Um, and I think that's a great way for us to um, just to remember that when it comes to the Great Commission, God has given us everything that we need uh, within our local churches and especially outside of our local churches to go and make disciples um, of all people, right? And so, you know, whether it's it's Vicki who's raising up students who might have a passion to uh, somehow use physical education um, to reach people, um, wh whether it's the things that Ryan talked about where um, it's just a heart for, for the church I think there's a lot of things that we can all take away from this conversation so far. We've got about uh, uh, just less than 20 minutes left. So I wanna go to one of the questions in the chat feature. And by the way, there's lots of great links in the chat and um, also uh, some notes that uh, just from some, some different points that Greg picked up on. And uh, this is from uh, Jim at Starting Point Sports Ministry. And um, I think Really, for anybody who's involved in sport and rec uh, ministry, feel, feel free to jump in here. Um, but with all the COVID stuff going on, this is what he asked here. How has the use of gym or uh, being used e even as a church, uh, how has it affected program scheduling and attendance, uh, especially with the basketball program and things like that? So we're entering into that season. If anyone wants to kind of share uh, how COVID has affected your leagues, your programming and sports rec and fitness ministry uh, with special needs or are really for any sort of program, uh, go ahead and chat about your experience with that. We'll kind of open up the, the floor for that. How and, I'd, and I'd say pa panelists, if you have any insights about how this might specifically relate to this topic, how COVID and reopening, that would be helpful. Uh, I'll speak uh, in terms of this topic first. Um, and I can speak to the multiple phases of opening a rec center too, but in specifically this, this topic. Uh, so we typically do a fall soccer league um, uh, and we kind of delayed it back. Uh, so we normally start in September. We're starting this week. We cut the season in half. We're doing uh, four weeks instead of eight. 
Uh, and uh, so part of the process on this is thinking through all the details on it. Uh, we first began with a poll of our players and their families to see uh, what their comfort zone was, uh, where they are, and any kind of return. So we have this uh, mantra, the idea of, of safe to play again kind of concept that we build around. Uh, and so with that, for this particular season, we have, I think it's 33 that are playing in it. We have four teams uh, in a elementary age grouping and we have uh, one team uh, in a middle school age grouping uh, that we're using. Uh, but with that uh, has to come, you know, guidelines. We're gonna be outside, we're using two fields uh, so in this process of bringing them back, there's a safe to return to play process uh, for the player, the parent, the coach, the buddy, and the uh, staff. And so as they enter the facility, eight, under each of those elements, there is, uh, we have to uh, be aware of the physical care, um, all the tracing facts, those kind of questions, things like that. Uh, what spectators look like during this time. Um, we're playing, but we're not bringing the community in like we normally do. So one of the things is only immediate household uh, people can be at the uh, game during this time. There's spacing at the fields, where you sit, uh, how you enter, how you exit, things like that. So there's a, you know, for an hour of play, uh, there's a four page document put together for a safe return to play in regards to this. What we know about this community is that um, they're, um, you know, are susceptible to uh, maybe different uh, illnesses faster than others. So we have to be conscious of, of those kind of things. So we've got a full plan we put together. We feel like at this time for us, an outdoor event, uh, a shortened season, some strict protocol that kind of goes with it, the comfortability and response from families to say, yes, we're comfortable with doing this, the spacing elements like that. Uh, so we start uh, this Saturday coming up. Uh, so that's kind of geared towards this, um, but I can speak to others, but I want other people to have an opportunity. Any other thoughts on uh, maybe what you've done or with the challenges you faced with, uh, with COVID and some of your programs or leagues? Um, in a lot of our contexts overseas, they're still quite locked down. Um, sort of the way that COVID attacked the whole earth. There's, they're kind of in the wave where it's the spike for them right now. And so um, it is not ideal, but we've actually transitioned to a lot of virtual stuff. And so they'll set up their laptop and they'll, um, they'll do their activities in front of the camera. And so it's not um, team, it's not fun, it's not together in that aspect, but um, they're able to run through drills. They're able to encourage each other. Um, and then they're, they have a set of things like you need to submit, um, a short video of yourself running through these activities. And so it at least keeps them active. It keeps them engaged. Um, it's certainly not ideal in the least, um, but it's keeping them connected with both the, the physical activity and the, the sport aspect of it, but also the, the community aspect of it, um, and staying connected to the family that way. And if you've joined us late, uh, Annie does not have a video because she's in some situations that might compromise her security internationally. So we're, we're, we're glad she's with us nonetheless. Uh, Dan, what other questions do we have? Yeah, uh, a question came in uh, from Vicki. 
And I think this is a, a really good uh, question for us to focus on. Um, and really, she just wants to talk about how there are some barriers, right? We're all probably thinking of them and maybe they've already been mentioned. But Vicki wants to kind of share about how some of those barriers can easily be uh, overcome and broken down. So Vicki, just kind of share uh, some of your thoughts and your heart behind that. I think um, we've mentioned a lot of them, but maybe they've kind of gone over our, you know, just our head or as we're trying to process all this at the same time. But um, from what I've experienced and done some of the research on, uh, we mentioned time is a big factor for these families. And so how can we program, you know, alternative times or even asking what is the best time to have an opportunity for uh, you know, our sports programs to even exist. Um, transportation, I think, is a huge barrier for some of these families. It requires a van, or if they don't have transportation, it requires public transportation, which is costly, and, you know, timing factors are there also. So the church can come alongside just even, you know, can someone pick that person up, or does someone have a van that could help uh, with transportation? Uh, money might be a, a resource problem. And so, uh, you know, I know all of our programs, we would in a second, you know, fund someone's registration fee, et cetera, if we knew the need. Um, and so sometimes even other families help with that. You know, one family's involved and then they communicate, you know, here's another family that could really benefit from this program, but they don't have the financial resources. And so just trying to be that uh, system there we mentioned training a lot. Um, I think another thing, and Greg kind of alluded to it with the buddies, this the support system. So often these families, when they do get to do something, they are the person that has to also help, that has to also be the buddy or the support or make sure that it happens. And so, you know, that freeing them up, as Greg mentioned, you know, a buddy, they come, they watch the game, they don't, you know, they're a parent just like any other parent uh, they're observing. Um, and so when you think about sometimes what that parent has gone through in the course of a week, they've been that child's best friend. Um, they need other best friends to belong to and they need other you know, pieces of community there. And I think it was Ryan that kind of mentioned this. If you're a small church, partner with somebody else, um, go back out into that community. And you know, like Ryan mentioned, you don't have to have the financial resources, but if you've got people, you're gonna find the people you know, to meet those needs by going into the community because our community, I mean, our churches should mirror the community. And if we don't have people in our church that have disabilities, uh, then we're not really getting out. So it can't be an excuse, no one's come yet, you know, and when they come, I'll meet their need. Um, all you have to do is look in any community and you'll see that there are needs. Um, we just have to get out there and make those relationship connections. I think something Vicki said uh, is so powerful uh, for churches, for our leagues, for any sort of ministry that we're a part of. And it's this, I've, I've heard this phrase that if, if we don't look like our community, um, we're in trouble. And so maybe a quick demographic study of, of what your community looks like and how you can reach all people uh, of all different um, needs. And um, you know, I think, including those with disabilities, um, and if we're not reaching them, then that's a, an awesome opportunity. Um, for the sake Dan, of- uh, Dan, yeah. that's, even, that's even gonna be a uh, topic of our Tuesday talk coming up when? Um, that will be, um, let me think here. That's, at the, that's November 17th. 
um, that we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about from the, uh, the field or the gym to the sanctuary. So uh, instead of the last Tuesday of that month because of the holiday Thanksgiving here in the States, uh, we will do that November 17th. And a quick shout out for the end of October, so October uh, 27th, uh, the topic will be professional and spiritual development uh, for the sports minister. So go ahead and mark your calendars for that one there. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask uh, a question from Rachel, our friend over in the UK, across the pond here. Uh, Rachel, I'll pull this up here and ask this question for you. I thought it was really good. Um, if I can get my chat feature to work here. Um, so from Rachel, she said, would it be better, and so I'll open this up to the panelists here, would it be better to have a sports league or event that was exclusively for those living with a disability or to have it in mixed groups? And so we've heard a couple of different thoughts on that already. Panelists, love to hear um, your thoughts to help Rachel out here. Uh, my first reaction would be yes. Yes. Yeah. So mine as well. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my yeah. answer would be we, we have both. We have both. Uh, so we, we, we do both both models. What's your second reaction? My, my second reaction would be yes. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, uh, I think it depends on your community. And uh, you don't know unless you ask. Uh, and again, within your community, you may come to several different reactions. Some of them, you know, a, a lot of what I hear from families is um, they so, so value friendship and relationships with others. Um, so a lot of families prefer that inclusion model. So where you're including uh, kids of all abilities together. Um, you know, there, there are going to be some families that are like, you know what, our kids are included all week long in school and they're worn out from trying to keep up and they would like their own experience. So, you know, as you interact uh, with your community, you'll find out, you know, what, what the best route to go is. Um, if you're just getting started, uh, don't feel like you have to do everything. You know, find out what fits, you know, most with your community. Start there and you work your way towards offering both. Um, so I guess that that's my more in-depth reaction to than just yes. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. We start we started out where uh, with our leagues, it was in, inclusive early on because uh, we just had maybe five to seven within the league. And so we worked with our coaches and things like that. But as we, uh, like Dan said, as we did the demographic study and learned more about it and even met with people in the school systems to find out uh, what those numbers were, then it ended up being we had a large group that said, oh, we'd like to have this and do this. So we kind of went to a larger league-specific model, but we maintained the relationship of you're welcome to play uh, outside of that and, and the other leagues that we offer. And then we, we made the choice, you know what? We're going to go support the other uh, programs that are being done in the community with the local parks and things like that. So we would go in and, and just be there to help assist and be involved in those leagues. So we've kind of got a hybrid of both those things. And I agree with Ryan. You just got to see where it's at and go slow, feel it out. I also think another key thing is programming for um, all levels. So. Some kids just want to come in and play and wreck and not many rules and, and just have the fun experience all the way up to those athletes um, who are able to compete at, <clears throat> excuse me, 
at a much higher level and really want to compete and, and have a desire to go to, you know, the Olympics, et cetera. And so sometimes we just think about programming, um, you know, everybody together. So I think there's opportunities, but maybe as I forget if it was Greg or Ryan, every church doesn't have to provide every opportunity. And so, you know, if there's a church that's really got highly competitive leagues, can we encourage those kids to go play there if that's where they want and you know your church is doing something differently. But I think sometimes we forget that highly competitive athlete who wants to compete at that high level um, and offering them a program that might be below what they're looking for. But we may miss that need also. Annie, anything to add to, uh, to Rachel's question? Um, I really do agree with everything that's been said. I think if you're if you're looking for a place to start, then um, opening it up to anyone uh, is ideal because you just don't know. Um, if you've already got your sort of population identified and you already know, then you can sort of tailor it to it as everyone has said. But if you really are just looking for a place to start, then even buddying them up with their peers is a great way to like it doesn't have to be an adult. Like a lot of times they're working with adults constantly, but they're not ever with their peers. And so even using the buddy system with another young person that's closer to their age, that is their buddy, um, that can sort of provide um, both the inclusion aspect and the just peer and, and connectivity there um, that they might not usually get when they're constantly being helped by adults. Um, so that's just another way to think about it. Another idea that we, have used in the past um, that has worked well. Fantastic stuff. We are, uh, we have about four minutes left. And so I think the best way for us to kind of wrap things up here is to remind everyone uh, in, the, in the chat feature, if you'd like to register, if you're not already receiving a CSRM newsletter, uh, we would love to have your email address uh, placed there. We'll grab it, we'll add it to our list here. And then also, uh, I just wanna encourage you, you know, you've heard Vicki, you've heard Annie, You've heard Ryan and Greg, and uh, feel free to private chat them and grab their information, uh, their, their email, if you have any further questions. Um, this is a very important topic. I think that the church needs to figure uh, some things out with this topic here. And then I think it, the, the potential is, un, is unlimited when it comes to sport rec and fitness ministry. And so I think there's opportunities for us to learn from these experts here that we've heard from today. In fact, I'm going to just have the, the, the panelists share uh, some parting, encouraging words with everyone as they kind of dive into uh, this sort of ministry here. And so, Vicki, we'll start with you, uh, and then we'll just go to Ryan, and then Greg, and then Annie, if you can wrap it up, and then I'll close us in prayer. Share with us some parting words. Vicki, I think you're on mute. I, know. <laughs> I do this all the time for a living. You'd think I would get it by now. Um, I just wanted to say it's just been a really energizing conversation. And so to get a bunch of people together who really have a heart and passion to see, um, you know, disability ministry thrive and to, to have some of those difficult conversations. How do I refer to someone? What if I mess up? And just be honest and open. But it's definitely uh, been encouraging and motivating as we think about this book, that there really is a need uh, that it will fit and that as we all come together and kind of work through some of that, uh, we'll be able to put a good product out there that can really speak um, 
volumes to families affected by disability. I'll go next. Um, I just parting parting word for everybody is everyone can do something. Um, as you think about barriers to belonging, specifically in this area, I think again the biggest barrier for most churches, and and let's be honest, most churches fit in that small to mid sized category. Most churches don't have a gym. Most churches don't have a, a field to play on. It's okay. I'm going to give you four things you can do with a classroom and a boom box, all right? You can do uh, a dance class, you can do personal training, you can do yoga, uh, and you can do nutrition classes. Those are four things you can do with a classroom uh, and no gym, no baseball field that will speak into that fitness and uh, important conversation of personal health. Um, when you look at the, the disability community and you ask them, you know, what are the biggest pressing needs in disability community, people will talk about employment, people will talk about housing, and then usually a third, uh, people will talk about health, um, you know, and, and how, can, how can we be healthy? Um, so churches don't have a gym, you don't have an excuse. Uh, if you've got a classroom, everyone can do something. So that would be my encouragement. I would say probably not even uh, a classroom. You probably have a sanctuary that for six days out of the week is sitting empty. So there could be something that happens there. So Greg, uh, any, any parting words from, from you? Greg English? Yeah, I had parting words, but Ryan just made me think of something. We actually had, uh, in terms of workforce among uh, this community, uh, we had them come work, uh, come bring, they, they started their own coffee business. And so I, I just shut the concessions down and employed them to come do it. And it gave them skill to interact with people. It, it took a burden off of me of having to provide, you know, the concession and full with that. I'm willing to give that money up to watch these kids and their families learn how to run a business, exchange money, make a product. Like that's a, a so there may be some groups out there that, are doing this, invite them in to let them be on your team to, to, to run the pro, run the process. Uh, but for me, I mean, there's just so many smiles that people that come to my mind when I, when I this film strip going through my head of what I've seen. And I would argue uh, this is the purest form of recreation and sport. What I watch on a lot of occasions, it is such a joy um, that that's what it shows. Thank you, Greg. Annie, wrap us up with some great encouragement. <laughs> okay, well, um, I say amen and amen and amen to everything that has already been said. Um, and one thing, kind of like Greg, you, 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 you sparked my, my, uh, my memory to, to share something else and to just think about the international and refugee population that also intersects with the disability population in your community and how sport will bridge that for you because language doesn't matter when it comes to sport. And so including the refugee community, including the immigrant community, um, and where that intersects with the disability community could be just life-changing for your church and life-changing for those families um, because sport is its own language and you don't, um, yeah, you don't need to speak whatever language of their country of origin. And so that's just another way that if you're interested in international outreach, you can combine that um, with disability sport outreach. Um, I would, I would echo um, what everyone has said and back to specifically what Ryan said, if there is a school with a gym in your community, then you can pull this off. If there is a YMCA in your community, then you can pull this off because 
um, there is a gym in your town, in your city, no matter how small um, a facility you may have, even if you just have the sanctuary. Again, um, you can do this. I don't think there's any right or wrong way to go about it if you are open-handed and open-hearted. Um, the Lord's going to bless your efforts to bless this community. And so just reach out, make connections, invite people in, and use the tool, the amazing tool of sport that God has given us. My dad always makes the joke that if God didn't love sports, he wouldn't have made the planets in the shape of a ball. So clearly this tool has been given to us and we can use it so effectively. So let's just do it. Let's just figure it out. There's no right or wrong way. Just get after it. Perfect, Annie. Thank you so much. Uh, to all our conversationalists, we really appreciate you guys uh, sharing everything that, that you uh, shared here today. And I uh, just want to encourage you all, um, you know, definitely check us out in the future with other Tuesday talks. Uh, stay up to date with everything happening at csrm.org. And uh, the conversationalists, if you can stay on as soon as we're done here, just for a few minutes, as we kind of uh, just close uh, with a short meeting for the rest of us, I will pray for us. And thank you again for hanging out with us here at uh, our, our CSRM Tuesday Talk. Dan, I'd remind break. people that on the chat room that uh, this is being recorded and it will be live in another few days or a week or so. And uh, you can go and, and get this and pass it around to your social networks, etc. So please feel free to do that. Absolutely. Thanks, Greg. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's pray together and then we will be dismissed. Father, we thank you for, um, Lord, this great commission that your son has entrusted us with, Father. Uh, Lord, help us to be passionate about reaching all people. Lord, those with disabilities, those in our communities. Father, I pray that uh, we would take some of the very helpful topics uh, that have been brought up through our Tuesday talk here. And uh, Lord, take them back to our leadership, Father. Uh, Lord, we pray for volunteers, we pray for leaders, we pray for people to join our teams and our churches to be uh, passionate about this type of ministry, Father. And uh, Lord, as, as Annie just closes out with, to understand that there is unlimited potential through sport, through recreation, through, through fitness. And as Ryan challenged us, Father, there's, there's some creative ways, Lord, to just use what we already have. And Father, we thank you for people like Vicki who are raising up uh, students who will be passionate about this and uh, Lord for for Greg and his ministry and Lord just things that, that he's done at Cool Springs already and how we can learn from them Father as we go our separate ways Father uh, we need your wisdom uh, Lord to just kind of make sense of everything we know you're putting on our hearts and uh, Lord help us to be uh, very efficient the rest of our week in order to serve you best we pray this in Jesus name amen Tuesday Talks are a production of CSRM and their video production house, Overwhelming Victory Flicks. Dr. Greg Linville is our executive producer, and Andrew Fouts is the associate producer. To find out more about Tuesday Talks or to join our next discussion live, visit overwhelmingvictory.org backslash Tuesday Talks. To find out more about Cool Spring Baptist Church, visit coolspring.org. And to learn more about CSRM, visit csrm.org.